0: it is the morning after what i would call a half opening day because only half the teams got their season started last night but anyway there's a lot going on lots of players got paid or got traded at the last possible minute before the season started and there's plenty going on on the field as well so stick around and we're going to talk all about it on today's episode of straight out of left All right, welcome once again. Um, Firstly, I want to talk about what's been going on off the field. Um, my Minnesota Twins made a very surprising trade right before their season started. Their season starts tonight, but, you know, very last minute, very strange. And I really don't know how to feel about this. I keep going between, thanks, I hate this trade, to I actually think this trade is a stroke of genius. I really can't decide. So I'm going to kind of just take the middle route. Let me talk through it and maybe I'll give you a better answer in just middle. But anyway, we traded our longtime left-handed closer, Taylor Rogers, as well as um, outfield, uh, fourth outfielder Brent Rooker to the San Diego Padres for reliever Emilio Pagan and starter Chris Paddock. So what the twins gave up was our closer, Taylor Rogers, which, you know, to start off a season and trading your closer right as the season's about to start, I think is a little strange. Um, he had a good year last year, three point three five ERA and a career high thirteen point two strikeouts per nine rate last year. And over the past four years, since he truly came out of his rookie reliever or lefty specialist role and into a full-time set man or closer role, he has a two point nine one ERA and a two point five two FIP. High over strikeout per inning as well over the past four years. So yeah, Rogers is not the best closer in the major leagues, but I think he's severely underrated. I know Baldelli was not the biggest fan of him because he would occasionally screw up and especially during the short 2020 season he didn't have he didn't have as good of a year but i think he's a good closer and i was excited to have him anchoring our bullpen but now he's gone and uh san diego's gonna enjoy having him because they definitely need some help in their bullpen and then last night's game especially showed that um they also got rid of brent rooker sent him to the padres he's gonna start the season in the myers i believe He'll help San Diego with their, uh, maybe with their DH problem or not. They really have a DH problem, but, you know, just give them some more pop uh, at first base or outfield or at DH because he, uh, he can't field. He has a minus seven outs above average in only 65 major league games, which is pretty bad. His batting leaves a lot to be decided as well. So far, um, 10 home runs in 65 games, which is pretty good. Uh, seven, 13 OPS and an I-6 OPS plus, so slightly below average. The batting average is really low, though, at 212. So, yeah, Rooker was not really panning out and was kind of just an extra piece for the Twins at this point in a pretty crowded outfield. Um, out of Rooker, Larnick and uh, Kirilov, Um the three kind of outfielders that came up for the Twins last year, I think that uh, Rooker was definitely the one that the Twins were least high on. Based on his performance, so good to kind of offload him. Now, what the Twins got is interesting. We got um two kind of reclamation projects: Emil Pagan and Chris Paddock. Both had elite 2019s. Uh, Pagan was with Tampa Bay, and um, Paddock was with San Diego. Um, so they both had great 2019s. Um, Paddock's a reliever, no, Pagan's a reliever, and Paddock's a starter. Um, but anyway, Pagan out of the bullpen has been a very solid option in in the past. In 2019 with Tampa Bay, he had a 2.31 ERA. Um, he had 96 strikeouts in only 70 innings. And he was the top 1% in expected ERA and expected WOBA. So the um, according to StatCast, all of his perf- numbers were backed up by the underlying analytics. Then the past two years in San Diego, he's not been nearly the same. Only a 4.75 ERA, which is way higher. And... Not good underlying stat cast metrics. So the Twins are getting a reliever with who's shown potential in the past, but it's just iffy on if he's going to actually turn it into something. Um, and Padek had an elite rookie season in 2019. He had a whip below one and a 3.33 ERA. But over the past two seasons in San Diego, um, he has a 4.95 ERA. Definitely not nearly as good. However, the thing with Paddock is that he has a lot of underlying numbers that show that he is due for a rebound. His FIP over the past two years was only 4.22, so about three-quarters of a run lower than his actual ERA, so that's a good sign. Um, If he uh, gets to Minnesota with a much better defense um, behind him, you know, we got a solid infield defense, good outfield defense, um, Things might shift around a little bit for him, and his area might drop. He has a very low walk rate as well, and Statcast metrics do give him some love. So, I do like adding Paddock, especially. I think that he could turn into. He's going to start the season in the bullpen, but I think when the when the Twins use their first month to experiment with their pitching staff, and then when the rosters go back down to twenty six, um, you know, Paddock could slide into that rotation in case, let's say, Bundy or Archer or Ober doesn't do well, or someone gets hurt. And maybe pitch really well. Pagan, it's going to kind of be iffy. We'll have to see what he can do. Maybe just getting off San Diego and a change of scenery will be good for him. Um, But, yeah, I think overall, I think the Twins just know thing know something about their bullpen. And they see a lot of uh, potential with their internal options, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And they feel like that they can offload Rogers and get some uh, starting pitching help. Um. But yeah, looking at their bullpen now, who the closer is going to kind of be a closer by committee, which I personally as a fan, I don't like. I like how knowing that you have your guy who's your closer. But Baldelli likes closer by committee, so that's what we're going to roll with. So it's going to be some combination of like probably Duffy and Alcala um in the closer role. And then Pagan will be kind of a setup. And then Thielbar as well. Thielbar did very well last year and good lefty option. <clears throat> You know, we've got some young guys like uh, Yohan Duran and Jan Romero. Um, you know, we're trying to see what we're getting with them. And we've got some vets like Joe Smith, Danny Colombe, uh Yariel Cotton. Actually, looking at fan graphs, apparently Paddock is going to be in the rotation. They've put Archer in the bullpen as a long man, but we'll see what happens. So I think this is a very bizarre trade for my Minnesota Twins. I'm going to give it, uh, uh, mm, it's really tough to give this a tra- a grade. I'm going to give it, uh, at face value right now, I'm just going to give it a C. It's just, I don't know what to think. We could be coming down the line in a few, a few months. And I'll be thinking, wow, this is amazing. Paddock's turning into the ACE. Everyone thought he was Pagan's anchored our bullpen. You know, losing Rogers sucks. But wasn't that bad. Um, but then it can also be, man, these guys both stink, and we lost our all-star closer for nothing. So wait and see on this one. I think that there's – I can kind of see the rationale of why the Twins did it. You know, uh, Rogers is a free agent after the year. Trade him now, get something for him. We have a lot of internal op- potential in the bullpen. And, yeah, just um, – yeah. And shore up the rotation – potentially shore up the rotation a little bit. So this trade could definitely pay off, but it could also backfire heavily. Um, quickly, then two uh, extensions that happened in uh, around baseball. Brian Hayes was extended by the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pittsburgh Pirates, after arguing arguing with um, Brian Reynolds over whether or not to pay him an extra 600K, you know they were really pinching their their true star player over that. Then they decided to shell out this extension to Hayes. It's for eight years, but it's only for 70 million. On one hand, I think, yes, Hayes should take that because he now has eight years and several tens of millions of dollars coming in. Uh, he's got his future set up for a long time. Um, the Pirates obviously designed this so that they don't have to pay him a ton and that if they want to trade him, which they probably will, teams aren't going to be like, oh, my goodness, he has this giant salary. We can't do that. So, yeah, I can just, with how snake bit the Pirates are, I can just see this really backfiring on them. It's just funny because everyone was like, the Pirates actually paid a long-term extension. This is amazing. And it's it pales in comparison to what other players have been getting. Now, granted, um, Hayes is not at the caliber of some of the other players that have been getting extended like Ramirez from uh, Cleveland. Um, you could look at Wander Franco for some comparison over Franco. The Rays gave a contract that had an average annual value of well over $16 million, I believe. Um, for 11 years so this is uh Hayess kind of pales and Hayes honestly did not have a great year last year he had an a7 ops plus after an elite 2020 shortened season but he had some high stack cast metrics including uh tw- top 25 percent league and hard hit percentage so he's hitting the ball hard just wasn't quite in- getting it to land um maybe he'll get luckier this year and the offense will come back he has a great glove though um Potential Gold Glove candidate at third base already. So he's really good in that regard. So I do see this as, yes, Hayes will continue to develop and improve. So this isn't an awful, stupid move by the Pirates because he had a down year last year. And he was hurt, too. So hopefully he'll be healthy. Thing was, though, right after the extension happened, the Pirates opened their season in St. Louis. Hayes left the game because he dove for a pop fly and hurt his wrist. And I was laughing super hard when that happened because just the irony of the Pirates extend this guy and then he immediately gets hurt. Apparently, according to reports, he's fine. They just took him out as a precautionary move, but he'll be good to go. Um, and there's nothing serious, which is good to hear, but still just it's the pirates and what else could you expect? And then um one last extension that actually just broke um about nine a.m. this morning. Um JP Crawford, uh, from the Seattle Mariners just got sent to a five year five more years and fifty one more million dollars on his uh on his contract. And he had a career year last year. His bat finally Produced at what people thought he was capable of a 273 batting average, 102 OPS plus, and 20, 37 doubles. He won the gold glove in 2020 and played elite defense in 2021 as well. He had eight defensive runs saved. He does not strike out a lot, which also makes him a huge plus at the top of that lineup for Seattle. So, yeah, Crawford had been a very hyped prospect with the Phillies that never panned out, and they came to Seattle, and the defense definitely improved a lot in Seattle. And now the Bats finally coming around. He was very durable last year. He played in a I think 160 games. So he's becoming like a big spark plug for this uh, Mariners lineup. And I really like that they're keeping him around. So if Seattle continues to play their cards right, um, Crawford's going to be part of a really good playoff team, if not this year, very soon. So yeah, all that, all those things are happening off the field. Also, Aaron Judge, he's not getting the extension that he wants yet. Uh, the Yankees have not made him an offer that he wants. Um His deadline was opening day for the Yankees, which is today, so we'll see what happens. Maybe he's going to stop negotiating with them for a while, and yeah, things are looking interesting in the Bronx in that regard. Nothing like majors happened, but just something to kind of keep an eye on and make sure you're checking Twitter and seeing what's going on with Judge and the Yankees. That'll be interesting to follow. Now, looking back at what happened yesterday, even though we had about half a slate of games, there were some really exciting things that happened. Um, so I tuned in to the first game of the season, uh, the Cubs, uh, playing the, uh, Brewers in Wrigley field, um, watched mo- watched a good chunk of it. Um, Cal Hendricks looked really good. Um, Cubs jumped or Brewers jumped out to a 1-0 lead. And then the Cubs took a 3-1 lead until the Brewers later tied in the seventh with the Cubs rallied in the bottom of the seventh and then, uh, stayed in the lead for good. Wound up winning five to four. First home run of the season belongs to Nico Horner, the Cubs uh, shortstop of all people. Um, his first home run since 2019, so it was kind of interesting. But yeah, excitement there. Say Suzuki walked in his first uh, play appearance and got a single the next at bat. Ian Happ had a couple doubles. And yeah, Corbin Burns for the Brewers did not look like his usual self. He walked three batters in five innings, which is pretty high for him. Yeah, Kyle Hendricks looked really good, like I said. Um, I'm hoping he'll have a bounce back here this year after a down 2021. 20, Andrew McCutcheon also did really well in his Brewers debut. He went 2-for-5 with a double. Um, Christian Yelich came up in the uh, the 7th with a chance to, uh, with runners at 2nd and 3rd, with a chance to blow the game open. So they popped up to left field for a sack fly, which uh, tied the game. Yes, tied the game at 3 at that point, but it just was really underwhelming. He just still doesn't look quite like himself up at the plate. But yeah, overall exciting game. Ah, uh, Cleveland, Kansas City, another fun game. Kansas City wound up winning three to one. Ah, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. got his first major league hit in the uh, in the uh, eighth inning, which broke a one to one tie. It was an RBI double, so really exciting. Just really cool moment for the Royals fan base. They're all chanting Bobby from the crowd, and he was loving it and. Yeah, it's just really exciting to see that he's actually playing on opening day, and he got the big hit, which gave him the win. And Zach Greke pitched really well for the Royals. Five and two-thirds, five hits, one run, one walk allowed. He only struck out one, but he yeah, kept the Indians' bats quiet for the most part and kept them in position to win, which is going to be huge for any success the Royals have this year. Um, and Wainwright looked really good against the uh, Pirates. Uh, they won 9 nothing. As I mentioned, Cabrian Hayes got hurt early, and yeah, just the Pirates looked very flat coming out of the gate. Our didn't do much in his return, it was really cool to see him back in St. Louis. Uh, Goldschmidt, or Goldschmidt had four walks. Tyler O'Neill had five RBIs, including a three-run home run, and Arenado and Edmund also had home runs for the Cardinals. And then uh, Mets-Washington, I was watching a good chunk of that game it's 5-1 Mets. Juan Soto hit a massive home run. That's really all the Nationals could do against uh, Tyler McGill and the Mets' bullpen. Patrick Cor- Corbin looked decent for the Nationals. Things kind of fell apart in the uh, middle innings as the Mets started putting runs on the board. The Mets' lap does look really good. Lots of guys contributed. McNeil got a couple hits. Canna got a couple hits. Escobar had a double. Uh, Alonzo had two hits. Uh, Lindor had an RBI. Marte had a hit, had a hit in an RBI. JD Davis had a double, so everyone was kind of contributing in that Mets lineup, which was really good. Um, I didn't watch any of this game, but it was the Reds Braves. Reds wound up winning six to three. Uh, Tyler Ma- Mailey pitched a really solid five innings of with no un- earned runs allowed and seven strikeouts. Uh, the Reds kind of got to Max Fried a little bit. He up five runs in five and two thirds innings. Um, kind of big storyline. Storylines is the bottom of the Reds lineup, including uh, Kyle Farmer and Brandon Drury, each had two hits, and Drury jo- drove in three runs in- on a three run homer. Um, Joey Vi was also apparently mic'd up for that game, which was kind of fun for the viewers. Um, this was like ESPN's inaugural game, I believe. But yeah, the Defending World Series champs to knock it off to a great start, and Cincinnati has a good win to start the year. And um, Houston played the Angels, and Otani was up. And I watched the first inning of that game because uh, the Angels crowd was so fired up because Otani pitched. And then in the bottom of the first, Otani was up and then Trout. But unfortunately, neither of them did anything with their bats. They both got out, which is kind of disappointing. And the Angels' offense just really couldn't get going. It was only one nothing. I mean, Otani pitched really well. And then in the top of the eighth, um, new acquisition, uh, Ryan Tapera, who who had said earlier, I thought it would be good for the twins to grab him. He comes up and he gives up home runs to the first, um, the first two batters they faced. Yes. the First two batters they faced both Bregman and Alvarez hit home runs off of him and they settled down to end the inning, but that was just really demoralizing for the angels. And it put the game out of reach pretty much at that point. Cause the Astros, Framber Valdez looked amazing and the bullpen was really solid as well. And then lastly, last opening day game, and this honestly I think was the most fun one to watch. I watched most of it, which was surprising. The Padres and the Diamondbacks. So the Diamondbacks, as coming off an awful season, the Padres come off a really disappointing season. Both want to set the tone early for the series. And it was really fun at first because I was getting to watch Hugh Darvish just absolutely dominate. He pitched six no-hit innings. He did walk four batters. But the Dimebacks really were not getting anything off of him. And then uh, his pitch count went kind of high, though. So Bob Melvin made the decision to pull him and put in uh, bullpen pieces. But uh, Tim Hill and Pierce Johnson pitched two each pitched uh, scoreless inning. But then a uh, new uh, acquisition from Japan, Robert Suarez, with a 100-mile-per-hour fastball, came in. But he faced three batters, walked two of them, and hit the last one. So he just... He was—he completely lost his command. Anyway, the Padres had jumped out to a two-nothing lead in the by the fourth inning, and they looked like they had this game sealed. But then Suarez comes up, and the Diamondbacks finally—they had broken up the no-hitter in the uh, seventh inning, but they had only gotten two hits on the whole night up to that point. So Suarez comes up, and uh, Christian Walker got walked. Pavin Smith got walked. They put in uh, McCarthy to pinch run for him, and then Christian Kelly got hit by a pitch. So suddenly the bases were loaded with uh, Seth Beer, a young promising start at the plate. Um, Beer's someone who's really going to uh, be important for the Diamondbacks if they're going to succeed this year. Um, A wild pitch results in uh, Walker scoring. So now it's second and third. Still nobody out, and the tying run is at um, third, and the winning run is at second. And Beer just yanks a home run to the right field. Arizona crowd goes nuts. They're super excited. The Diamondbacks are excited. I mean, this has to be a great way to start off the year. And uh, the announcers brought up it's National Beer Day. Yesterday was National Beer Day. So they were like, wouldn't it be perfect if he hit the home run? And he did. So, yeah, it was just really, that was a really fun game to watch. And I really think that I'm really high on Seth Beer. I think he's going to be really good. He's a 2018 first-round pick by the Astros. and um, He came over to the Diamondbacks. And so far in his three minor league seasons, he's put up really good numbers, an OPS, career minor league OPS of 901, uh, 54 home runs in parts of three seasons. Um, you know, his closest thing to a full season was in 2019 where he had 26 home runs. So he has a lot of power and a really high average. So this guy's going to be really good for the Diamondbacks. So keep an eye on him. And I think, like I said, I think the Dimebacks are going to surprise some people with, they're definitely not going to contend for the playoffs, but I think they're going to surprise some people because of how they're not going to be terrible. They're going to not be great, but you're not going to come in and be like, oh, it's the Diamondbacks. They're a 110 lost team. We can crush them. They're going to be kind of scrappy, I think. I, I'm i really high on them. I think that um, last year was a just awful set of circumstances, but I think that they're going to start rebuilding and rebuilding smartly. They kept Torrey Lovato around, which I thought was pretty interesting. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident in the Diamondbacks to at least, uh, you know, get up towards uh, not losing 100 games. You know, again, it's not going to be a preseason, but I think it'll be a decent season. But yeah, that game, I think last night was the most fun to watch was the Padres-Diamondbacks. Because on one hand, I got to watch you Darvish absolutely shove and be amazing. But then I got to watch a really exciting comeback by the Diamondbacks. But yeah, really fun storylines from yesterday. Grinky's return to Kansas City. Bobby Witt winning the game for the Royals. Um, C.S. Suzuki starting his career in Chicago. Um, McCutcheon got off to a great start in Milwaukee. Like I said, Soto just continues to mash. Um, Shohei did his best, but the rest of the, Angel- the Angels team around him couldn't help him. But yeah, I'm really excited for uh, today's games. Um, I know a few of them have started already at this point. My Twins are opening at 4 p.m. Eastern against Seattle. And, yeah, it's really exciting that baseball is finally going again. All right, that'll do it for today's episode of Straight Out Left. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and keep an ear out for more content as the MLB season continues to get into full swing here. You can find Shadow Left on Spotify, Anchor, Overcast, and Google Podcasts, among many other platforms. Make sure that whatever platform you use, you're following it or giving it five stars or whatever you've got to do. And make sure you're sharing this with your other friends that you know who will enjoy it. All right, thanks for listening today, guys. I'll talk to you again soon.